It's time for the Rich Eisen Podcast. Will Ferrell on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Will, thanks for taking the time. Now, if they add 18 games, yes. the Super Bowl will be played on St. Patrick's Day. Is that correct? <laughs> None other than Joe Buck. So you do Childress's game, he gets fired. You stand next to A-Rod, he gets hit in the ankle. Right. Is, is, it, is it you, Joe? Maybe I'm the schlep rock of, uh, of the NFL. <laughs> The face of the New England franchise, the three-time Super Bowl champion and uh, MVP of this league back in 2007, quarterback Tom Brady. Thanks, Rich. That's a hell of an introduction. I get, I was getting winded just listening to you. Well, you know what? That you have the cardiovascular endurance to get through my open. <laughs> I think, Tom. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Presented by Papa John's is your host, Rich Eisen. Ah, yes, the dulcet tones of the most interesting man in the world bringing us into yet another new edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Happy December, everybody. Week 13. What a great way for the calendar to turn to December for the first time in this regular season where anything can happen. And the afternoon games, the late afternoon games... Just riveting contests that uh, speak of how desperate and how intense things are getting as we reach the must-win portion of the regular season calendar. The Bucks and the Falcons, to me, the game of the week. I know the Ravens and Steelers played another classic on Sunday Night Football, but that's to be expected when these two teams face one another. It's the seventh straight game that they've played where the deficit... Uh, of the losing team was four points or less. I mean, these guys, you would expect them to play close games. The Bucks and the Falcons, this is a new rivalry that we are going to be watching for years to come with haymakers thrown at one another by two young stud up-and-coming quarterbacks in Matt Ryan and Josh Freeman, two pounding running backs in Michael Turner and LeGarrette Blunt, two defenses that are buzzing around the field. I really loved watching that game, and I know the Bucks. It, it's another situation where they had a statement game in their grasp and let it slip through their fingers. But the Falcons, to me, proved that they are for real. They are the first 10-win team in the NFC, and now you've got the first 10-win team in the AFC and the Patriots. And what I, I don't know where that one came from. I mean, in a 2010 season where anybody can beat anybody and nobody can put their finger on a team that is head and shoulders above the rest and a clear-cut Super Bowl contender or participant where you can essentially put them in the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that about the Patriots yet, but for them to take this 9-2 and game against a 9-2 and team in the Jets and just lay waste to them, that was a stunner and a shocker that I don't think anybody saw coming, as John Gruden said, on uh, on Monday Night Football. And we'll talk about all of this with uh, our guests today. Larry King, soon to wrap up a quarter century of Larry King Live on CNN. He will join us on the Rich Eisen Podcast. His last show is two Thursdays from now, on uh, December the 16th, the night that we're going to be in San Diego for the Niners and Chargers on Thursday Night Football. Larry's going to join us on the podcast. I couldn't be more excited about that. Uh, the worm is off. We're going to give him a bye week this week. So uh, he 
is not on this program today. In the Hot topic segment, though, we have Mike Florio of ProFootballTalk.com and also of NBC Sports. You see him on Sunday Night Football. He will join us to talk about McDaniels and Hainsworth and those two games that I mentioned at the top. And we didn't even mention the Raiders uh, sweeping the Chargers for the first time since 2001 and having a perfect division record of 4-0 and this late in the season for the first time since the bicentennial. We'll talk about all of this with Mike Florio and two special guests. I have a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old, a 4th grader and a 3rd grader from here in Los Angeles. They know their football, and we'll see if you're smarter than a 3rd and a 4th grader later on this podcast. Two sweet young gentlemen, Antonio Stefan and Jake Robinson, who you've heard, by the way, on the Dan Patrick Radio Show from time to time. All right, let's get to my first guest now. Uh, and uh, as he might learn the same way Tom Brady did last week, joining me on the podcast usually does lead to a 42-point win the next week. So Clay Matthews, Jr. of the Green Bay Packers, you're set up just by merely calling into the Rich Eisen podcast. I don't know if you, re- if you realize that. Do you realize that? I didn't. I didn't know that, but now I'm aware, so uh, thank you, and I appreciate it. You know what? You're right to thank me and appreciate me right off the bat, Clay. You're right. You're right to do that. And woe to the Detroit Lions, just for the mere fact that you picked up the phone. They don't know that yet. Oh, well, that's great. That's great, man. <laughs> How are you feeling, man? Are you good? Yeah, I'm feeling good. feeling uh, ready to get after these last four games. We've got to make a push here. Uh, it's kind of it's real competitive right now in the North and you know, let alone the whole NFC. So you know, we got to win a, a couple games and you know, hopefully make a playoff run. But you're, it seems you were just such an absolute beast over the first half of the season. Then you got hurt, and now it seems you're still a beast and a defensive player of the year candidate. But it, it seems you're not, you're not as much of a factor, to be honest. In the last few weeks, is it is it due to the fact that you're you're being game planned against, or you're you're not one hundred percent? Wow, Rich, you know, I appreciate you calling me out, telling me I'm not being a fact. Well, I mean, I come pretty, on, Clay. That's I mean, unique of you. I, I, I just, I'm, you know, I'm, if I knew I was going to get myself into that, then. No. Wow. But, uh, I'm, no I'm, it's, it's, you know I, what I'm saying, Clay. Know, I, yeah, no, I, I feel fine. I feel, uh, you know, 100%. I'm still playing with the same attitude and, and recklessness that, uh, you know, I've been playing with throughout the whole year. And, you know, uh, if, you, if you're talking statistically in regards to sacks, yeah. Then yeah, you know, they haven't come as of late. But, uh, you know, I think we've had some great opportunities with other guys opening it up. And, you know, I, I've been getting, uh, you know, a couple extra blockers thrown my way. But, uh, you know, it's no excuse. And, you know, the bottom line is we're winning games, and hopefully I can get a few more sacks. But, uh, you, know, it, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, making the same impact uh, since week one. So hopefully I can keep that up, our team can keep that up, and, you know, I can help us benefit from it. I didn't want to call. I'm not calling you out. I mean, uh, I, I still I called you. I'm just giving you, you a hard time, I still Rich. called you I'm beast. giving you a hard time. You're, you're, you're a defensive well, player of the year candidate. You're an MVP candidate, Clay Matthews. All right, well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Are we are we cool? Are we cool moving forward in this conversation? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I don't know what it's, what's, you know, I thought we had a good relationship. So we I don't do. know what it's going to be like now, but, you know, I feel like this was just a, a minor hiccup. No. But, uh, <laughs> no, we'll get it. <laughs> We're how how uh, how about your uh, development, Clay? To to what do you attribute the the ability for you to go from the collegiate level to the pro level and be as successful as you have been? To what do you attribute that? It does it come from part of your bloodline? Does it come from the fact that uh, you were in a a pro style uh, collegiate program? I'd love to pick your brain on this. 
you know, it, it obviously helps coming from, uh, you know, a program like USC with, you know, Pete at the helm, uh, you know, really transitioning us to the NFL. I think that's why we've been so <clears throat> successful at having players coming to the NFL. And then it's about them, uh, you know, taking taking their own lead and, and trying to become a player. And for me, you know, I have a family that's so, uh, you know, rich with football history and have been so successful that since day one I came in here with almost, a, you know, a veteran's mentality and the fact that, you know, I wasn't going to let anything get in the way of me being great. I think that's why I've had, a you know, such a, a great start to my career and I've been so productive is the fact that I take this very seriously and, and you know, I like to think it's uncommon, you know, a lot of, uh, younger guys might take it take it for granted, but you know, for me, you know, I want to be a, a big name guy. I want to be an impact player, and I want to be someone that uh, you know opposing offenses target. So, I think that's that's why I've had a you know a little bit of success. And what was it like growing up around the game, Clay? What was it like? Uh, you know, it's pretty unique. Uh, obviously, you know, my son most Sundays you're just you know relaxing watching football. However, I was at the games watching my father play, um, uncle as well. Obviously, you know, my grandfather had played. So, you know, so much of my uh, you know life really revolved around football um you know a father who you know who put in the work during the week but his uh, you know his work day was on sunday so you know it really helped me uh, get to the you know point where i'm at today and, and like i said understanding it all and, and being successful so it was pretty unique and and you know i'm very fortunate for it. i don't think i'd be in the position where i'm at today without it yeah i mean and your uncle never missed a i mean never your, your whole family never missed a, an assignment it seems it's it's remarkable uh the the uh, ethic that I guess your whole family has, is, I imagine, installed in you, Clay. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to live up to is just, uh, you know, kind of what they uh, set the foundation for, uh, you know, everybody that can come on, you know, here on out from the Matthews family. So I'm just trying to live up to that. Obviously, I got some big shoes to fill, but I think I'm on the, you know, the you right are. path, and hopefully, I can keep it up. Well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, there really is no doubt about that, and it's fun to watch you play. What What is your mindset as you, as you're standing there? Getting ready uh, for the ball to be snapped. I'd love to know what what your your I guess uh, a warrior or attack posture is like mentally as you're getting ready to rush the quarterback. Well, well, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in my head. I'm not gonna lie about that, but I think it's it's just more so about creating havoc in the backfield. Um, you know, obviously they ask uh, you know they ask me to do a lot with that. Do you stop the run, drop into coverage, or rush the passer? So. You know, obviously, you, you read and react, but then it's about, uh, you know, making a play. You know, first and foremost, you want to get to that quarterback, so you're, you're thinking about winning your one-on-one -on -one battle, uh, you know, putting a shot on the quarterback and doing some celebrating. So that's that's really what goes through your head, but ultimately there's a lot more to the game. And, you know, for me, it's just, you know, I feel like I put in enough work throughout the week that comes Sunday, you know, it comes easy to me, and I can uh, – you know, I can do everything that they ask and be successful at it. It looks right now, as you take a look at the um, the, the standings, that it's possible that you, the Giants, uh, the Bears, the Eagles, or the Saints could be left at home while a sub-500 team wins the NFC West and gets a home game in the playoffs. Have you thought about that? or Have you had conversations with your teammates about that development potentially, Clay? You know, there's been little talks here and there, but obviously we'll see how the season develops, and you know, hopefully we can uh, win the remainder of our games, and hopefully one of Chicago's opponents can beat them, so we, you know, we tie it up, and it comes down to that last uh, game, you know, here at Lambeau Field between us and Chicago. But um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure we'll cross that bridge once we get there. But hopefully, like I said, you know, we can put ourselves in a better position to where you know we don't have to worry about uh, you know missing out and, and staying at home when you know we feel we're deserving of a playoff spot. So. 
you know, let's try and win these next games, and then we can have these conversations. Yeah, well, how good is Aaron Rodgers? Because we talk about stats, obviously, earlier. You're, you, we, you know, we're a stat-heavy uh, society, talking about sacks. You look at his numbers the last four weeks, they're, they're ridiculous. It's off the charts. But you get a front-row seat. Just how good is Aaron Rodgers? He's a fantastic quarterback. I remember coming in last year and, you know, jumping from the college level. You think you got a guy locked up, and he still finds a way to throw the ball. And, you know, I think his improvement from last year to this year, from what I've seen, is just tremendous. I'm, I'm you know, I'm covering guys, and, and he throws a perfect, you know, backside shoulder fade. You know, I, I can't guard that. And I don't think, you know, defenders can as well. He knows where to put the ball. You know, he's very smart at reading the defenses, making the correct, uh, you know, audibles and checks. And, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll tear you up. So, you you know, you've got to create some pressure or get after him a little bit because if you let him sit back there, he's going to he's gonna dice you up. I think he's fantastic. Uh, and, and, you know, he's got his best years ahead of him. So we're real fortunate. And we know he's our uh, our meal ticket. So we're all, uh, you know, we're happy to have him. Yeah, I know you can't look ahead. you got the Lions next week. But we in the media can look ahead. The week after that, you, 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 you visit the Patriots uh, on Sunday night. The whole country will be watching. And I can't wait to see Rodgers and Brady on the same field. Did you watch that Monday night game um, with the Patriots and the Jets already with a mindset knowing that you're going to be the one that's going to have to do what the Jets couldn't do, which was which is getting Brady's face and put and and put him on his his behind. Did you watch the Monday night game with that mentality? I did, as a matter of fact. In fact, you know how can you beat the Patriots when they look that good? So. You know, we're going to have to get after them, and, you know, obviously we don't want to jump, you know, too far ahead. Obviously we have Detroit this weekend, but, uh, you know, they're a great team, and, you know, obviously got a great thing going, uh, an outstanding quarterback and coaching and, and everything. So that's going to be a difficult test, but, you know, we look forward to it. It'll be a great uh, Sunday night, um, you know, showdown up there, and, you know, we'll be looking forward to it. But, like I said, let's let's get a win this week, and uh, then, you got, then the media can hype it up, and, and we'll enjoy that. that. That would be hair-on-hair violence, I think, if you get Brady on the turf, Clay. I think so. I think I got some. I got some extra hang time on him, though. So uh, you know, hopefully, I can come out victorious. In that <laughs> Did battle. you notice that Tom though tucked it in last night? He wore he wore the headgear where he tucked the hair in. Did would you ever do that, Clay? Of course not. I, you know, you grow your hair out to really you know let it out, let the fans know what you're all about, and you know you just you let it out. In fact, I was I was the guy down some water on my hair, having icicles form before the game. So I think that's just that's part of the mentality of having long hair. Is that what you did? You really do that? Oh yeah, I do that. Yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta get your, you gotta get yourself right. And you know, I didn't know it was gonna freeze over. That was a bad idea. Now that I think about that, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty comical. Maybe I should do that because you know, I, we had freezing cold temperatures in Philly last week. Our game is in Nashville this week. Maybe that's the way I should prepare. I don't have obviously nearly as much hair. And that, but I'll be honest, that's why I have you after Brady. It's sort of I'm jealous of of the follicle situation here. And uh, maybe I should do that. Getting my hair wet and is that what I, icicles growing on the hair? That that would be a, a good way to prepare for my broadcast, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely wake you up. Um, you know, the next day you might uh, call in sick, but um, overall, I think the fans would really enjoy it. I know I would personally. Being a <laughs> well, that long means hair advocate, so you might want to try it out. If I call in sick, that means I'm going to make a hundred million dollar contract, just like Hainsworth. Maybe that's the maybe that would work. Gosh. I'm not going to touch that one, but uh, either, oh, way, either way, Rich, I think, See, I think you're set, Rich. I can't trip you up because you're, you've been you've been schooled by your dad and your uncle. Like, I wanted you to say, I'm going to put Brady on his ass. I wanted you to start talking about the hair and that. But I just can't, or, or looking past the Patriots. You're, you're a machine. I can't rattle you, Clay. It's clear. 
Well, you know, like I said, I've, I've been well-groomed to come into this business, so I know how to answer your questions. I know how to play on Sundays, and I, and I know what to do to get ready. So keep throwing them at me. All I'll right. keep diverting the attention away from me. I like it. Here's the question, though, that's get, that, that has me the most concerned when I ask it, Clay. You were an intern here at NFL Network. You were an intern True. from USC. Did I – was I – was I cool to you? I, I really don't remember. I don't want to say that I, I treated you wrongly or not, but what what was it like to work here as an intern at NFL Network? Was I was I was I bad to you? Okay, so already you big time me by saying, you know, you don't remember me at the NFL Network. You said I've fallen <laughs> off the map lately. I'm starting to wonder where oh, this conversation I... is going hey, and where your where hey. your allegiance lies. Hey man, I do remember you here. I clearly I bring it up all the time on the air that you were a former NFL Network intern, but okay. I don't remember well, each and every uh, exchange that we had while you worked here, and I'm genuinely concerned that, that you might think less of me because maybe maybe the the coffee was a bit cold or something like that. I don't remember. Well, it's understandable. I was doing all the grunt work. You were the guy in the spotlight, so of course I wasn't going to get the uh, you know the attention. But mm-hmm. no, the, the network treated me well. You treated me well. Okay. I had a blast, uh, you know, working there, and I'm, you know, I'm glad now that you guys can show me on the NFL Network <laughs> making plays as opposed to working behind the scenes. So you know, I apologize for spitting in your coffee a few oh, times. Oh no, was but that was overall, that you? That it was, was a you? great experience. I thought that was just a I, little, that was me. I just thought that extra was a little extra, sh- extra sugar. I just thought it was a little sweet that one week. My gosh! Yeah, so, so, yeah you were here. You were here. You, you were here for for a couple of months, right? I was. I, I spent my uh, shoot. I guess it was my red shirt freshman summer, going mm-hmm. into my sophomore year. Uh, you know, working there and just understanding the business. So it was fun, though. I had a, I had a blast. And rather than just being, uh, you know, just a meathead and working out, I thought I'd get into the business world. And and what do you want to do in this world? Can can I help? Can I? I just want to. Pl- I just I just want to play football. That's it, really. Just play football, bash my head into a few guys, and, and it. call it a nice career. I love it. Well, you got you. I mean, you're off to a flying start, man. You're off to a flying start, and and you you guys are in the mix. And I just wanted to you know reach under the helmet and see you know what's going on down there because it's fun to watch you on the field, Clay. I appreciate you calling in. I appreciate that. Thank you. You got it. Oh, boy. I think I pissed Clay Matthews off a couple times. I don't want to mess with the the bloodline. It's it's called by Warren Sapp, potential defensive player of the year uh, of 2010, joining us here on the Rich Eisen podcast. We're going to take a break right now and get to the hot topic segment with a a wide variety of people. Larry King, by the way, is waiting in the wings. The 77-year-old Larry King will also be on the same podcast as a 10- and a 9-year-old, two boys who know their football cold. They're going to be joining me in the Hot Topics segment along with Mike Florio of ProFootballTalk.com on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. NFL Fantasy Live, your home for fantasy football. With a 90-minute live show every Sunday leading up to kickoff. With our interactive controls, you choose which segment to watch. That's been his three-year average. Who is going to cover them? Get back to what made you good. Or go live as our fantasy experts help you set your lineup for the day. All those are interesting options. Get the last-minute edge over your competition. NFL Fantasy Live, Sundays at 1130, exclusively on NFL.com. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Podcast. Stay listening, my friends. 
Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. We just talked with Clay Matthews Jr., who I believe I, I, I pissed off by pointing out that he hasn't been much of a factor in the sack department because he's been hurt lately. And then brought up the NFL Network internship he had here a few summers ago. But I think we're cool. I think we're cool. Uh, it's now time for the Hot Topics segment. Normally, Jason Wormser, the Worm senior producer here at NFL Network, would be sitting here, but I'm giving him the bye week. He's got a bye week this week. He is off, and uh, joining me soon will be two nine-year-olds who I think are the rain men of uh, the third grade in the NFL department. My gosh, these kids, uh, wait to hear them, which means it's a very high bar set for uh, the man who created uh, ProFootballTalk.com. You also see him on Sunday Night Football on NBC. Mike Florio joining me here on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Mike, how are you? Hey, Rich, I'm doing great, and congratulations on the podcast and how far it's come. You have, like, bumper music now and sponsors and commercials. I mean, this is, this is real. This is good. I, I'm trying to step my game up. You know what I mean? As as the season goes along, that's what you have to do when, when December hits. But see, normally people will like wait till the end of the season and then adjust and get ready for the next year. You mm. are incorporating the enhancements and improvements on the fly. Very I'm, impressive. I appreciate that. With also the most interesting man in the world as my um, as my announcer. I can't I can't I don't know how I can ever top that one. I don't know, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, I saw you at, well I I'm at a loss. Where's that what's that guy from? Who his, I've seen the picture of you and him. Yeah, his name is Jonathan Goldsmith. He's an old-school actor um, who has several films and television shows to his credit. Worked with John Wayne and uh, Leslie Nielsen as well. I mean, just he's he's worked with everybody. And then he just struck it big, where Dos Equis picked him out of uh, a crowd of uh, of folks who were auditioning for the okay. commercial. That guy, now yeah. I got it. Yeah, and he's the most interesting man in the world. You know, he's a guy who... Uh, is I think what's one of the funnier lines is that uh, he's so important. Sharks have a week in his name. I think that's what one of the things. Are. <laughs> so how are you doing, Mike Florio? We've got uh, we've got a lot going on here, and as always, you on ProFootballTalk.com, which is one of the first entities I followed on Twitter, uh, and I love all your reports. I mean, I, I you, you and uh, what Rosenthal and and uh, who else you got on your on your staff there? Greg Rosenthal, Michael David Smith, Evan Silva, Josh Alper, and it's great to have help because when I'm traveling, <laughs> I, you know, I, I wouldn't get anything done. And uh, in the old days when it was just me and I was practicing law, if I had a busy day at the law office and I had no time to get to the site. I would have about 200 emails at the end of the day asking me uh, questions ranging from, are you dead? Are you lazy? Did you quit? Right. Um, you know, and, and basically get back to work. We want more stuff at PFT. So it's nice now. Anytime I have something else going on, I know that we've got basically round-the-clock coverage except go. for really the middle of the night because who's, who's reading the Internet in the middle of the night? Yeah, let's not forget. So in essence, let's remind people, you're sort of the Ed Hockley of football information. And not, and not just, I'm not talking about your, I don't know what the size of your biceps and triceps are. But, oh, they're up to about, what, 25 inches right now. But, so, yeah, it's nice. Close. But Ed, you know, Ed has his shingle, I think, in Arizona. Uh, he's a lawyer in Arizona who, who moonlights as a, a, uh, a referee who seems to have a problem every time Jay Cutler is involved. And also, you spent, uh, you, you were counselor in, uh, in West Virginia who just had a passion for football and started this, this website. Is that, is that how this thing all got going with you, Mike? Pretty much. What happened was in, in 2000, I left the firm I was with, a large firm here in West Virginia. I started my own practice, which 
if I hadn't done that, I never would have been able to spend the time that I spent developing the website because, you know, you've got other lawyers practicing with you. You can't just say I'm going to spend X number of hours every day doing PFT instead of practicing law. So that was really the roots for this thing. But there was a site called NFLTalk.com that was very popular late 90s, early part of 2000. And they put out a call for writers one day. And I thought, well, you know what the heck, I'll give it a shot. And uh, I, I was with them for about a year, year and a half, completely unpaid, but loving every minute of it. It was a great hobby. I was doing a little bit more and a little bit more. And then when the, when the tech bubble burst the first time around in 2001, they went belly up. ESPN came in and essentially purchased the carcass, and I worked for ESPN.com for six months. Did you? And then decided, and, and, and it was the ultimate sitcom premise because I was working full-time for ESPN and practicing law full-time, and I don't think ESPN knew that I was practicing law. So I would, I would uh, what happened was they have an insider service, and that absorbed the various rumor mill type operations from sportstalk.com which was the the umbrella oh. under which NFL Talk operated so I would work for espn.com from essentially 5 a.m. until 11 a.m. and then I'd go practice law from 11 a.m. till whenever the work got done and I'd start it all again the next morning and that got old very quickly so November 1 2001 is when PFT launched and uh, as as we slowly had success and generated revenue, then I was able to practice less law until 2009, middle of the year, we went into business with NBC, and I shut it down altogether. So you no longer practice law? I am completely done. My license is in mothballs, and uh, hopefully it will remain there indefinitely. And did everything end okay with you and ESPN? Because you seem to like to stick it to the four-letter oh, network. You know, it's part of sticking it to authority, and they're the big dog, and that was part of getting noticed back when we were getting started. So it was kind of fun to throw stones. I mean, that's kind you of the You still are, though. Attitude. You still are. You're like, you're like Mr. Big Shot now. By the way, you... But it's still fun. <laughs> you you and, and Bob Costas, at the end of the games on Sunday night, You, I think you... Of all the sports hosts and information men, I think that's the best hair combination on television, you and Costas. Cause well, I, and listen, Costas sets a very high bar. I'm just trying to keep up. And, uh, you know, they, they do wonders with makeup and lighting. Yeah. At, no, at no, no, no. But Rock. if you think about it, again, because uh, uh, Menifee and Glazer, that's probably the worst. Me and uh, Locke and Fora. Me and, and Lombardi, uh, that's not very good. Uh, James Brown and and um, and uh, Casserly, the hair is not. You know what I mean? We could keep going on. It's 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 unparalleled. Well, it, Costas and anybody would win, really. <laughs> you know, Costas and Gene Shallot. Costas Gene and Don would win. I mean, well, it, he's got know. the facial hair. Gene yeah. Shallot. Let's talk ball. Let's get to the ball department now. What in the world happened in Denver? as far as you can tell, Mike Florio, because here we had last week uh, uh, Pat Mullen tells Thomas, George, I have no interest in making a change at, at, at the head coaching position. Then a couple of hours later comes out a press release from the Broncos that, well, he will be evaluated over the final five games, and then he loses one game, and he actually almost darn near beat the, the AFC West leading Chiefs on the road, and then he's fired. So how did this all come about as far as you could tell? Well, it's really hard to get to the truth because there have been so many conflicting stories put out there. I'm sure that Spygate 2 had something to do with it. Even if you accept as true the notion that Josh McDaniels didn't watch the videotape that was created by Steve Skarnecki, and there are a lot of people around the league who just don't believe he didn't watch it. But even if that is accurate and the Broncos really believe that, they said they believe him, but, you know, 
Okay, I'll assume they do. The fact that Josh McDaniels tried to bury the whole thing, when he of anyone, arguably any coach other than Bill Belichick, should know the importance of the policy requiring prompt disclosure and reporting of any evidence of cheating, for him to bury that, and it never would have been anything that came to light but for someone blowing the whistle within the Broncos organization, I think that continued to eat at the organization. And I also think, and Brian Billick had this take today on the Dan Patrick Show, and I think he's right on the money. With all of this confusion about whether McDaniels was getting a vote of confidence, whether he'd be back or not, Billick speculated, and I think accurately, McDaniels went into someone's office, Joe Ellis, Pat Bowen, whoever, and said, look, I, I want to know what's going on. I, I can't be an effective coach of my team down the stretch if no one really knows whether or not they're going to have to answer to me next year. And it probably, if that's the case, then it went downhill from there. So I think Billick's on to something. Because there's no other reason to do it with only four weeks left. I mean, so what if they win the last four games? They finish seven and nine? So what? And, and when everything the team had been saying is, we'll evaluate after the season, something had to happen to change that. And it's not like they got embarrassed the last two weeks, and nobody really expected them to beat the Chiefs anyway. Right. It's just really odd that, uh, that that's what finally does it in. And, you know, I thought Ziggy Wolf should have made the move the minute that Randy Moss was released without the coach telling him and he waited two weeks, and now we've seen what's happened with Leslie Frazier. I thought that if the Cowboys were going to make the move with Wade Phillips, it should have been done a couple of weeks before while the season still had a heartbeat left in it. It just seems that owners are are just certainly, I guess, with this whole CBA situation, they're they're hesitant to swing the axe uh, during the season, and I, and you don't know why. And, Rich, I also think that there's a certain amount of ego and pride that gets caught up in firing a head coach because, after all, the owner hired the head coach. And if you cut a guy loose, you are, you are conceding to some degree that you shouldn't have hired the guy in the first place. And with, with Wade Phillips, that wasn't – or Brad Childress, that wasn't as big of an issue. But both men got extensions last year. So if there was a problem with either guy, why do you give them contract extensions? And I think saving some face played into it. And in both cases, ultimately, it kept the guys around longer than they should have been because the Cowboys and the Vikings could be in play for the sixth seed right now if they had had these resurgences later in the year. What about, Hay- what about Hainsworth? How did this happen all of a sudden? I mean, that, that uh, I guess, did, did they wait until the final four weeks to finally do what I guess they wanted to do, which was Keyshawn them? I well, mean, that's right. It's, but it's not Keyshawning him. See, what it is is it's the maximum that a team can now do under the collective bargaining agreement. The most a team can do is a four-game suspension without pay for conduct detrimental to the team. And this comes from Terrell Owens five years ago. It was the reaction to the T.O. case because the Eagles suspended him four games without pay, sent him home with pay for the rest of the season beyond that. And part of the new collective bargaining agreement, the new one at the time, was that the union slipped in there a provision saying that you can't send a guy home with pay, that all you can do is suspend a guy four games without pay for conduct detrimental to the team. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this happens with four games left in the season. So now they squat on his rights. And even if there's a grievance and they lose it, okay, they cut him a check. I mean, they've already given him $40 million. What's another 800000 or whatever it would be for the last four games? And then you try to save a little face and trade him in the offseason. There was a rumor they would cut him, but if you cut him, you don't get anything. This way they at least maybe can get something from someone by trading him in 2011. But we all saw this coming. I mean, everybody saw the Hainsworth situation being a problem way back and it was ugly way back and it never improved why didn't they just go ahead 
and make a draft day trade with the Titans or somebody? Was was there really no interest in him, maybe, at the time? But, but even more than that, they had a way out of this before April 1. Some people think that that money they got April 1, he was getting one way or the other. They had a way out after one year. When we hear about guaranteed money and contracts, a lot of it is, as a practical matter, guaranteed, because why are you going to cut a guy a year after you've given him whatever Hainsworth got last year, $15 million or a number in that neighborhood? You're not going to just pay him $15 million for one year and let him go. But the Redskins could have walked away. They decided to pay him the $21 million that he was due April 1 of this year. He decided to take it, and they had to recognize the risk. And I think after that, the problem became getting what the Redskins wanted because the Titans reportedly were interested, but the Redskins insisted on a second-round pick. And, you know, Mike Shanahan dug in his heels, and I think in hindsight, if it was a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick, they, they would have loved to have gone back now and taken that pick because they're not going to get anything close to a third or a fourth rounder come 2011, not after everything that's happened. This whole helmet-to-helmet situation in the NFL, could the NFL have had a worse scenario play out than the one that played out on Sunday Night Football where the team that has come been on record thinking that they have been uh, unfairly singled out with the fines uh, with James Harrison, that the Steelers have said they think that they're being unfairly singled out. And then on Sunday night football, their quarterback has his nose broken with no call. And then Heath Miller basically nearly got, he got guillotined with no flag at all to the point where uh, Carl Johnson was, was making a statement during the game. Where where do you think this all heads eventually, with rule changes or not moving Have forward? Have we ever seen a, an officiating crew get thrown under the bus faster than Terry McCauley's crew on Sunday night? During the game, during the Paul game. Johnson calls Al Michaels and tells him that should have been a penalty. And Greg Aiello, the NFL spokesman, gets on Twitter and says that should have been a penalty. Well, they have to if the Roonies are already saying. I mean, the Rooney family, Dan Rooney's the man who knocked on Roger Goodell's hotel room door to let him know he's the new commissioner in the NFL. I mean, so if if the Roonies are out saying they, they the NFL has to make this call during the game, don't oh, you think? absolutely. But that's the thing, because if you don't, the, the hue and cry will only get worse because in, the entire population of Steeler Nation believes that the NFL is out to get them now. So the NFL had no choice but to make it known right away that that should have been called. And, you know, it's just basic human error that missed both of those calls. Now, the first one, and Peter King was explaining this the other night, and I think he's right, the idea that the referee is behind that play when Haloti Nada swings that meat hook up toward Ben Roethlisberger's nose and you know makes him look like Rocky Balboa, I, I just think that the referee doesn't see that. But how do you not see the helmet-to-helmet? And, and I think what the NFL needs to ask itself going forward is whether or not some way – Somehow, replay will be incorporated on a more active basis Here it is. spot these safety issues. Here it is. Here it is, Mike. Anytime there's a 15-yard penalty called, it's reviewable. You cannot review whether something should have been called. You must be able to review something that has been called because I've stand there on, on the field for Thursday night football watching these games now for five years, and each year the guys get bigger and faster. It's remarkable how many times these officials get it right, like in the Monday night game when Brandon Tate had a wrist down and they called it appropriately. I mean, to me, that's remarkable that a guy went so fast, 
can make that call on the run, that if you already have a predetermined notion that we need to protect these players, the the Ed Hockley call, for instance, with Jay Cutler this past week to hit Sue for 15 yards and then describe not only to the fans, but you could see with the body language to the head coach, to Jim Schwartz, how he kept making the motion that, that Sue used an elbow and a forearm to hit him. How do you not get under the hood and take a look at something like that and pick up the flag? Well, let's take it one step farther because I'm a firm believer, number one, in using replay as much as you possibly can, making the process more efficient. I'm not a big fan of the referee going over to the booth and, you know, making his his, uh, vote for president along with reviewing the videotape. I mean, there's got to be a better way to do it. The college system is much more efficient. I think they need to expand the things they look at. But let's go back to something we talked about earlier. Just like I hung up or I not hung up my shingle, I took down my shingle and put it in the closet. The Ed Hockley's of the world and every other official, they need to be full-time employees. They I don't need know how to have... that's going to work, though. How well, that first work? of all, you've got to be willing to pay the money. You I don't know if it's a money. I don't know if it's a money issue. To do it, we'll give up their regular job. But how will Ed Hockley sticking his nose in the rule book in May? How how will that help him make a call when it's bang bang? Uh, you know what I mean? You still need you still need replay to back these guys up sometimes, and it's no and it's no indictment on them. It's it's such a quick, fast paced game, and these fifteen yard penalties are so crucial. But I think there's a way both with replay and with making these guys fully committed to their craft. I mean, think about it. They work all week. Then they get up and they they fly somewhere in the country and they show up and they officiate a game. And I know that they do some homework and they, but but still you're fitting that within your normal job, your family obligations, anything else that you do. And I think if these men were devoted around the calendar, 52 weeks out of the year, the NFL would come up with ways, whether it's, you know, extra workouts, dexterity things, hand-eye coordination, have them play Madden for a certain number of time every day. I mean, anything you can to put yourself in a position <laughs> where you are better suited to spot those fouls in real time. Right. There's got to be a way to improve. Even if the improvement is incremental, the bigger the NFL gets, the more important each of these games are, the more important the calls are, and the more important it is to get the calls right. Let me give you some quick hitters because i got uh, a couple of third graders here who I've pulled out of school. <laughs> Okay, they're here on their lunch hour. You got to get them back for uh, for history or something like that. Uh, quick hitters, what do you take out of the Monday night beat down of the Jets? Take well, you- I, and I've been saying all week before that game that the Patriots have constructed an offense perfectly suited to playing the Jets. Darrell Revis is going to take away a guy who demands double coverage. You don't have anybody who demands double coverage. You say Revis, fine. Take Brandon Tate. Take Wes Welker. Take uh, Dion Branch. We'll find somebody else to throw the football to. And, and I also think, I was concerned that the Patriots were running the score up to the point where the Jets will have extra motivation yeah, I read that if they post. meet in the playoffs. But I think the Patriots are trying to spark a tailspin that will, will result in the Jets not making it all like they did in 2008. And, and to me, the, the, the shot of, 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 of Belichick getting the team together in the fourth quarter and, 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 you know, and, and rallying the troops already up uh, by 30 points, that to me was reminiscent of the Pittsburgh game where they, they got loose in the fourth quarter. Same with the Colts, where he wanted this young defense to finish off a team and make a statement, and they did. They're dangerous, man. Uh, it's only gonna get, they're only going to get better, and that's the thing. They're improving on the fly, and come January, they're going to be peaking if they're not peaking already. And uh, they're going to – if, if – Two games are played in the postseason at Foxborough. They're going to be tough to beat. What about here's, – here's my thoughts. I think we saw the birth of, of, of one of the best rivalries of the next decade in the Bucks and the Falcons. These two young quarterbacks, these two teams that love pounding the football with, with, the, with the two big bruising 
running backs in Turner and, and Legarrette Blunt. That that they were throwing haymakers at each other. That was an incredible game this week. Which do you think the Falcons? Are the team to beat in the NFC, or do you still need to you still need to to get something before you can buy on that one? No, I, listen, I believe in the Falcons, even though they're not being dominant. Who really has been dominant on a consistent basis this year? We saw the Packers for about three weeks. We're seeing the Patriots now, but the Falcons are just outscoring their opponents week in and week out. They're winning close games. And they're, they're winning close games against good teams, so I think that's going to make them very well prepared for the postseason. And you mentioned that Buccaneers-Falcons game. I don't know if you saw the coverage map, the Fox coverage map. I mean, it looked like Bush v. Carey, 2004. <laughs> it was Cowboys-Colts everywhere. Well, it was America's game of the week. And, Let's yeah, not forget. And, and meanwhile, Falcons, and I'm not saying, look, no, Cowboys-Colts ended up being a great game it to did. watch. It did. But... Falcons, Bucks, my goodness, hardly anyone saw that game. And uh, I think you're right. The, the NFC South between the Saints, the Falcons, awesome. and the Buccaneers, that's going to be a battle year in and year out for the next six, seven, eight, nine seasons. And yet there's going to be a couple teams on the outside looking in because uh, the rules say that no matter what your record is, if you win a division, you get a playoff spot. Last question for you. Who do you think is on the outside looking in in the NFC when all the dust settles? I've got a feeling, you know, Chicago fans are going to love this, but I think the Bears are going to slide. And I think oh. the Packers are going to jump them in the NFC North, and I think the Bears are going to be on the outside looking in when it's time to... Uh... The Giants have a tough record, a tough schedule moving forward. Well, and the Eagles, too. They've got to deal with the Cowboys twice. They who do. beat them three times last year. But it looks like the Buccaneers are on the fringes now, unless they can turn it around. It's probably going to be Buccaneers-Bears, maybe Buccaneers-Giants, but uh, I could see the Eagles fall out of it, too. Wow. So that you think it's possible that the two, the two teams come out of the East, not the North? I think it's possible two teams come out of the East. I think it's possible. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears beat the Patriots this week with Peppers in that pass rush. That's the type of year that it is, that the Patriots look like world beaters and the next week they lose. Well, who, who cooled off the, uh, the Eagles? It, it was the Bears. I did. Mike, I appreciate the time. Thanks a lot, and congrats, obviously, on the success with everything, keeping the shingles and mothballs and, uh, and, and posting like crazy. I follow you on Twitter. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, a must, a must follow. As well, Rich, I appreciate it. I've always appreciated your friendship and support, and good luck with uh, the podcast, your Thanks, family, buddy. and everything else. You bet. I'll see you at the Super Bowl, if not before. That's Mike Florio of ProFootballTalk.com, and uh, he set the bar very high, but I, I think my next two guests are going to leap over that bar and set it even higher for anybody who ever comes back on the Rich Eisen podcast. Uh, joining me now on the program, nine-year-old Jake Robinson, a third grader in Santa Monica, California, who, Jake, uh, people know you already from your work on the Dan Patrick radio show. Isn't yes, that correct? You, Dan had you call in for the NBA, right? Is that correct? Right, in May. Back in May. Right. And now here you are talking NFL here on the podcast. Very good. With Antonio Stefan, who some people may remember back from about four years ago. Five years ago? I think. When you were on NFL Total Access talking about all the jerseys that are in your closet. I had either just turned six or, the, or as I, was, uh, I was about to turn six. And you're a 10-year-old, a fourth grader yeah. in West Hollywood, California. Yep. What, were you, what class were you in when we pulled you out to do this podcast? What were you in the middle of? Math. You're in the middle of math? Yes. What about you, Jake? End uh, of reading. What was that? End of reading. End of reading. So you just finished reading. Well, no. Well, we were about to be done. Oh, so you were pulled out in the middle of reading. Kind of. To do this. You, I'm sure you didn't mind that, right? No. Okay. And you too? You like math? Yeah. Okay. I wish you pulled me out a little earlier. You really do? Yeah. And now, what uh, jersey are you rocking right now? Marshall Falk throwback. Marshall Falk throwback. <laughs> the 2-8 throwback. Yeah. I like that. You were hoping Marshall was going to be here today, right? Yeah. 
I was told he was, but I was wrong. You were wrong. You got bad information. Yeah. All right, Jake Robinson, I want from you right now your thoughts on the Monday night football game between the Jets and the Patriots. Everybody was talking about that Jets defense. Mm-hmm. Let up 45 points. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looked like the Patriots were just unstoppable. And I think Tom Brady has finally figured out Robin Rex Ryan. Do you think so? Why do you think that? Just because of... Uh... I mean, his two losses against the Ryan brothers. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's mm-hmm. right. His two previous... The two losses are against the Ryan brothers. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that myself. What do you think about the Patriots win over the Jets, Antonio Stefan? I love that. Why? Oh, because you're a Dolphin fan. No, because I'm a Packers fan. When did you become a Packers fan? I've always been a Packers fan. And how does that help the Packers, though? Oh, it doesn't. I just don't like the Jets. <laughs> I don't understand your logic here, brother. <laughs> well, let's see. I like the Packers and not the Jets. The mm. Jets lost. But so. you're a Dolphin. Your your dad's a Dolphin fan. Yeah, I know. So you're ingrained to hate the Jets, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what do you think about the game, though? Were you surprised to see the Jets lose by so many points? I thought the Patriots were going to win, but not by that much. I thought who I, I thought wherever the game was, whoever was home was going to win that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, the fact that the Patriots were home was a big advantage. I thought that but they were going to the win Jets, yeah. I don't think they can really beat any good teams. They had a close one with the Lions, close one with the Browns. They lost to the Packers. Yeah. yeah. See, you over the Packers again. See, see, they can't really beat any g- great team. Because the good teams that they've played, the Packers, they lost. The Patriots, they lost. They almost lost to the Lions. Mm-hmm. They almost lost to the Browns. Yeah. I mean, they almost lost to the Texans. Right. Yeah, the te- and that was... I didn't even, that was kind of like a miracle. That was crazy. I mean, Santonio Holmes, what would they do without that guy? That's a true story. That was a big pickup for them. Oh, yeah. That was a big pickup for them. So what do you think of your Packers moving forward? Are you concerned that they're not going to be as good as they need to be in order to make the playoffs? I think they'll go 12-4, and get the wild card. I, I think they'll lose to the Giants. You do. Yeah. Well, is that is that because your dad's a Giant fan and mm-hmm. you're a Giant fan, too? I'm a too? Giant fan, but I'm confident in my boys. What? <laughs> Why are you so confident in the Giants against the Packers, Jake Robinson? Well, we beat we beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I mean, we have to that was three years ago. Yeah, they had Plexico. No. He's in jail. <laughs> that is true. You're not wrong. I mean, and hey, and, hey, hey, we, we might have we might have lost two receivers and some offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. All we need is Eli, Ahmad, Brandon, and we can beat anyone. Now, Brandon Jacobs, you... I dropped him for my fantasy team for what he did. For what he did? Which, what, what did he do that, that caused he you to drop him from your fantasy team? He shot his helmet into the stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in week two. You don't drop a guy in week two. But he hasn't been doing anything. Oh, wow. Last two weeks, he's been doing a lot. <laughs> he's not wrong. All right, so you think the Giants make the playoffs is what you're saying, Jake. Yeah, if they... we can beat the Eagles and... Then we got room for a loss against the Packers if we lose, mm-hmm. which I highly doubt it. So, uh, you know what? I'll tell you what, though. The Giants need to win that division, I think. We just had Mike Florio yeah. of ProFootballTalk.com yeah. I... on, and he thinks, though, that the Bears, because the Bears have to play the Jets, well, they've well, got to play the Patriots, they've got to play the, the Packers. The Bears won't win that division. The Packers will win that division. They'll beat the Bears. No. They'll beat the Patriots. The Bears will lose to the Patriots. Coming but up this but, week. but yeah. I'm saying if if they're tied, we own the tiebreaker. So 
the because Giants we be- do? We beat the Bears early on in the season. No, I know that. That's true. If you're tied with the Bears, right. that, that's a pretty big tiebreaker. We would go. But I just yeah, think, yeah, well, you gotta you got to have the same record as the Bears, though. And right now, you're one game behind yeah. them. Yeah. But the Bears are going to lose to the Patriots by so much. This you think so? So much. But look what the Patriots just did. Yeah. The Bears are going to lose by a lot. Oh, so you, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The, okay. the Patriots aren't going to lose. The Bears are going to lose by a lot. Okay. So then that means that the Packers could be, because the Packers play uh, in Detroit. Yes, they play in Detroit again this week. If Atlanta and the Packers were to play right now, mm-hmm. who would win? Well, they just played last week. So no, it's, no it's, it's against each other. I mean, Atlanta and the Patriots right, right now. Who would win? Yeah, who would win? Where's the game? How about neutral site, Super yeah. Bowl? Yeah. It's going to okay. be in Dallas. Neutral okay. site. The Patriots win. Why do you say that? The Patriots, their defense, well, the problem with both teams is their offenses are both great, but their defenses are young and still, you know, getting there. Mm-hmm. So, I I go with the Patriots because Tom Brady has more experience than Matt Ryan. But Matt, well, why do you think they call him Matty Ice? Good point. You like Matt Ryan more than Tom Brady, Jake? You really I, do? I do. Well, I mean, with the receivers, he's got Roddy White, Michael Jenkins. Right. But still, I mean. Brady's got Tate, Branch. Well, Antonio's Woodhead. got a point here in the fact that, that Matt Ryan's never done it before. But, again, but to your point, uh, Tom Brady had never done it before in the Super Bowl, and he did it I mean, against the throwback you're wearing right yeah. here, Marshall Falk. If, uh, He's, it still stings him that Tom Brady went there and did that. So maybe yeah. Matt, Matty Ice can do that. So you, yeah. what do you think? He answered the question pretty point blank. Atlanta against New England, the question you put to Antonio, if that is the Super Bowl, who wins that one in your estimation? Atlanta. You like the Atlanta Falcons. Back that up, Jake. Why do you like them so much, certainly in a Super Bowl? They have a well-built team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clinton Grimes is a great cornerback. I mm-hmm. mean, he can, he's good at um, getting physical when he needs to, but mm-hmm. he's a pretty good cornerback. And then Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. great quarterback. Roddy White, mm-hmm. arguably one of the best receivers right now in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Definitely. He definitely is. All right, let's get to some uh, let's get to some hot topics here. Who do you think should be the MVP? There's four choices that people say. There's Vic. Yeah. There's Philip Rivers. Right. There's the aforementioned Matty Ice, and there's Tom Brady. Now, why are these all quarterbacks? Why? So give me someone who's not a quarterback. We spoke uh, to Clay Matthews earlier. Do you think he should? Clay be? Matthews. I, he's not going to win it because he's a linebacker. Cause well, they, hey, linebackers can win it if they are. I know, but they're tough. not going to give it to a linebacker because there's, like, running backs, quarterbacks, receivers. But in my, if there was a defensive MVP and an offensive MVP, he would have the defensive MVP. Defensive player of the year. No one would have any shot against that. Now, do you think Pierre Paul's going to win anything? No. Pierre Paul? No, nah, he's not. He's, really? I love your Giants, Moxie. He's coming on very strong the last couple of weeks, yeah, Pierre Paul. Good. I mean, he cost us the Eagle game, but... <laughs> By jumping off sides? Yeah. I but, love it. <laughs> he, did, he did have a pretty crushing penalty. So what about you for MVP of those four guys? Who do you think it should be? Um, Brady. I agree with you. Of those four, I gotta go with Brady. Yeah. I mean, why is everybody talking about Vic? All he does is basically find receivers, and, and then, then he, he runs. Yeah, and then he gets in the pocket. If there's no pressure, he runs, and if there's pressure, he throws it. I think it's kind of the other way around. Yeah. 
Uh, he'll kind of run at any time. Yeah, he, that's true. He, but, but that's but, why but, people, he, he does but, add a different dynamic. And he, yeah. he is pretty, he is pretty but, special with what he does with the football. But what I have to say is he missed too many games, I think, to be given the MVP. It was only like three or four games. He's only lost once this season, though. Once. All those other losses We're have calm. been Kevin Cobb. No, I know, but I think he's missed too many games to win the MVP. So who do you think? So you both think it's it's, it's Ryan. I'm, I'm not even it's, sure it's, uh, if Brady. he's throwing a pick this year. What do you think, Antonio, of the helmet-to-helmet rules rulings that they're making this year? They're, throwing all, they're, they're finding a lot of players. What do you think about this? I don't. I just think the problem with that is no one tackles anymore. Like mm-hmm. it's no, but all arms. No, uh-uh. and you you see some pretty clean hits when the punters have to make something. Have some <laughs> punters, clean. yeah. I mean punters. I, mean, I guess I mean, punters have the technique down. You, you've seen some. It's a problem when punters I, are making tackles. I, I I've seen some uh, touchdown saving tackles by punters and kickers this year. Well, yeah, but like the thing with that is because they're never going to hit helmet to helmet. They know if they do, they're going to be the one who's getting hurt. Mm. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, well, do you, well, so what do you think of the helmet to helmet stuff, Jake? I mean, Heath Miller, he basically got crushed and they, well, there was no flag. I know. Roethlisberger broke his nose on the first play. Yeah. No, nothing there. I know. That's a tough one. What about Speaking of that, mm-hmm. that Philadelphia, what's his name, Hobbs. Yeah. Oh, Eric Hobbs. Yeah, what Hobbs. happened Ellis to him? Yeah, he, yeah. Ret- um, he broke his neck against the Giants, and now he's retiring. I didn't know that he broke his neck. I thought he... Like, no. He yeah, he really hurt himself. Now he's going to retire because of that. I saw that. He, that was just like his fourth season or something like that. Yeah, he he, he, had, he took a tough hit yeah. right there. But do you think it's ruining the game? A lot of people think this stuff, this helmet-to-helmet Well, What do you think should be done? Do you think James Harrison's way of playing is clean? I mean, you've seen so much, you've seen like two fines on him. But I know what he's like. It makes sense what he's doing. He's saying obviously he doesn't like the rule. He's just playing how he usually would. I mean, and that's what people should do, you know. I mean, pa- you haven't seen Palomalu back down on his hits at all. I mean, against Flacco, he missed the ball, but he has such a hard hit. Mm-hmm. He got the ball right out. Do you think James Harrison is playing within the rules? Um, well, no, because of this new rule. But I think he's playing the way that he should because that's how he's played all of his life and he shouldn't change it because he's been good. What about you, Jake? Um, I mean, Harrison, I'll let him decide that. I mean, it's really... But you're 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 now you're now an unpaid analyst for the NFL Network and for the Rich Eisen podcast. I'm asking you point blank. Do you think Harrison is playing within the rules or no? I think he's had some clean hits and dirty hits. I love this. Nope. That's now that's a that's an analyst right there, playing both sides of the fence. Give me a pound right there. Well done, and Jake. Why do you think I heard Team Tebow was going to start this on the tw- on the twenty sixth? You do you you heard that? That's breaking news to me. That's wrong. Kyle Orton has put up great numbers this year. That's wrong. They no, don't start Tebow after what Orton's I think you give him a chance. Why? I mean, all you've seen him do this year is scramble for touchdowns. You really haven't given him a chance to play the whole game and see what he's got. I mean, you've seen him play amazingly at Florida. You know what I think they need to do with Tebow? Trade him to someone. Why? Because if Orton keeps playing like this throughout his career, and he's still young, mm-hmm. and this is really his like first season, I, I think he's getting it now, the, mm-hmm. the whole game itself. So you get rid of Tebow because he's never going to play if Orton keeps playing like this. But now, what if Orton gets hurt? Who who would you go to? Exactly. You would you go to Bra- no? Would you go to Brady Quinn or Tim Tebow? 
But the thing is, if you trade Tebow for someone, I don't know, let's say Ryan Fitzpatrick or someone like that. Why would why would the Bills make that trade with the way Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing right now? Well, because like you said, Tebow has been good in the games that he's played. He's just ran for touchdowns. So let's let's finish up with this because I got to get you back to school. Maybe. <laughs> I don't have to get you back to school. I got to get you back no, to school. Dude, dude, we're not missing anything. This no, no, no. I, I'm not missing anything because see, it's kind of it's report card day. Uh-huh. So we got like extra recess and stuff. So I'm not missing anything. Is that right? It's report card day, and I assume you're. you're I'm an and you're doing well. Your grades, otherwise your 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 folks wouldn't let you do this. I know that. You must be doing well on Dude, report card day. I got like all A's on social studies, and that's what I'm missing. So, so you're cool. Sure so you're cool. We got to wrap this up. Larry King's coming on. Oh. It's good to see you, buddy. Antonio yeah. Stefan, yeah. you must go back to school. Fine. Jake Robinson, even though it's report card day, you must go back to school. Okay. Good to see you guys. You too. Thank you for being on this podcast, you're and you're both welcome back anytime you want. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Wait, you want to miss extra recess? Uh, me? Yeah. Well, I think this is better than recess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Larry King is next on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. One play can change the game. One new channel will change Sunday afternoons forever. This season, watch the best plays as they happen live in HD. NFL Network Red Zone. Every touchdown, every game. One of the joys I've had of doing this podcast is talking to some of the all-time greats in their professions and just folks from uh, across the spectrum. And that certainly uh, uh, encapsulizes my feelings about this guest calling into the Rich Eisen podcast right now, uh, getting set to finish 25 stellar Hall of Fame years on CNN with uh, his final Larry King Live next Thursday on CNN. None other than Larry King phoning in. Larry, really appreciate you taking the time. Rich, my pleasure. You bet. So before we get to all the CNN, I have to start with you calling Miami Dolphin games. Yep. Back in the days, the seventy seventy one season. Is that what I uh, I started with the uh, George Wilson's last year, sixty mm-hmm. nine, and then Shula's first uh, three or four. Right, and I uh, was lucky enough to do the color on those uh, tumultuous great years. And so you did the 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 analysis. You didn't do the play. I would play. do um, Henry Barrow did the first year, and then Rick Weaver was the color guy, and um, uh, then on the field, we uh, various different field reporters, and I was sort of the the color guy before they started hiring former ball. Players. Yeah, the the jockocracy, as Howard Cosell yeah. used to call it. That uh... what I had to do was, on a ra- from a radio standpoint, was to quickly explain the play that was just described by the play-by-play man, and then I had other duties. Uh, in the last two minutes, I would go downstairs be on the field and then uh, do the post-game interview with Don Shula, win or lose, and then do the Dolphin locker room, win or lose. Interesting. What was Shula like when he oh, first he's one of my arrived. favorite people. Is that right? Why? Yeah, because he, he didn't know how to lie. And, uh, <laughs> what do you, what do you was, mean by that? He, he was very direct. You know, a lot of coaches, Shula didn't give you uh, 
the team we're playing next week is the world's greatest team that ever played. He assessed his own team well. He was uh, straightforward. The toughest part with Don Shula was to stand with him during the three-minute commercial break after a loss, <laughs> and which nothing was said. And uh, you would just stand there and just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been there, too. So you have to just say, well, do you, do you have no chit-chat? Say, Coach, we're, we're going to be there in a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah you or... give them a minute cue. And then, but I, I found locker rooms fascinating, and I, I don't know why uh, people think they're difficult. I, uh, locker rooms were snapped because uh, the game had just been played. The public had either seen it or listened to it. Uh, seen it if they were driving home in their automobile, which was a big part of the audience. And since they'd seen the event, we'd all par- uh, we'd all seen it. And I'm talking to the participants. That was just, and he's like, "What happened on that play?" <laughs> it was just so simple to me. I learned a lot, um, and it was just. Uh, but people say, "Boy, it's hard to." It's not hard. I used to do a bit where, Rich, I think I could go into a locker room, and you don't have to tell me the sport. Right, right. Uh, a team sport, and I can get through four or five questions without knowing whether they won or lost, <laughs> or what the game was. And you could ask questions like, "What surprised you today?" Right. What disappointed you? Can you use what happened today in the next encounter? <laughs> and that's that. That fits any sport. I have no right idea. There. No idea. Was it could have been could have been tennis? Could have been could have been could have been tennis. Right. Unless it was doubles. Right. But it could have been could have been cricket, could have been soccer, could have been anything. All you have to do is who, what, where, when, why. And since you had the double advantage of the people viewing it or listening to it, they know what happened. I thought it was a piece of cake. Do, I like doing them. Do you think things have changed for the better or good in sports coverage? Because it's 24-7 now, the Internet. My gosh, I'm doing a podcast. You know what I mean? So it Well, just... there's so much more thrown at you. Uh, there's much more knowledge. I don't know if if uh, 24-hour news is better. I know there's more of it. You certainly get more information. You also get, of course, mistakes because there's the rush to judgment. Mm-hmm. Let's get the news out first. So there's more liable for a rumor to be reported as a fact in sports broadcasting. This could occur at the baseball winter meetings. You know, you're walking down a hall. You hear someone say something to someone. You pick up the end of the conversation. Now you say to yourself, should I go on with this? What do I do with this? At the Internet, the website, do I release it? What do I say? And in the old days, nothing would have been said until you double-checked it. Now the danger is you don't double-check it. Mm -hmm. And um, we we pay a price for that. However, we get tons more information. As for the the people hosting sports shows, uh, a lot of things that have always bugged me is the sports announcer who says, let me ask you this which I assumed is why he's there. <laughs> Let me ask you this. It's or, like the analyst who says, watch this over, yeah, the, or, over, the, over the instant replay. Or, I was wondering. <laughs> Naturally, you were wondering. Mm-hmm. That's what we're paying you for. We're paying you to wonder. I don't like the word I. So uh, I tried all my career, Rich, to uh, kind of leave it out. It's just ego-driven. It, uh, it really has no play. When you think about it, I is irrelevant to the question. So how how did your sports 
uh, casting career. You called the Dolphins. You called this the, the action for the Shreveport Steamer for crying out loud. The right. World I Football thought, League. I thought when I started, I was going to be a sportscaster. Then I got into interviewing very early, and I love I loved interviewing, but I still love sports. So I try to keep a hand in both. I'd go out to Oriole games and sit in with John Miller and do an inning or two. I did. I just I love sports. It's my avocation. It's the first thing I turn to in the newspaper. It is still the first thing I watch when I come to a television set. I I, I like George Will's quote. Uh, George Will, the great writer, was asked. Uh, well, he said he, his answer to a question was: If the headline in the Washington Post was "George Will's Secret Sex Life Revealed," he would first turn to the club box. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the same way. So I, sports drives me, and uh, the thing I love about it, I feel sorry for people who aren't sports fans, because um, a lot of the, most of their day is humdrum. And the best thing about being a sports fan is, I have no idea. Who's going to win those games tonight? Right. Well, that's the thing with the NFL. That's the thing with the NFL this year more than ever. I mean, you can't tell anything. That's why this Monday night game was so shocking with the Patriots and the Jets. Is that do we really finally, after 13 weeks, have a standout team? Because we haven't seen one all year in the NFL. It's it's a maybe because, as we also know, as sports fans, any professional team, being composed of professional athletes who, in their prior lives, have succeeded in high school and college can beat another team on any given day. We all we all know that. You can get a hot quarterback, a cold quarterback. Sometimes it's always fascinating me about sports. Some teams line up well against certain teams and not against other teams. So that's why you can't say, well, since New England beat the Jets and the Jets beat whoever, then New England's certainly going to beat them next week. Right. That's not true. I mean, you could easily say that New England goes to Chicago next week, loses, the Jets beat the Dolphins at home next week, and now they're both tied with That's the right. same division record, same overall record. They're dead, and that 45-3 to is just another win. And Chicago may match up very well against New England. We don't know that. Or Miami could suddenly right itself. Beat the Jets. Well, as you know from that, uh, from calling those games, I mean, I do. you throw the and records out when those you two do. teams and, literally. Uh, and and that's so true. These are professional athletes, and professional athletes. I've got, I respect them a great deal. They face winning and losing, which you and I don't face. Uh, they face boos and cheers, which you and I don't face. Uh, they have uh, careers that end when ours begin. They face the problem of when the cheering stops, it always stops. Michael Jordan doesn't get mobbed when he walks into a hotel room now, when he walks into the lobby. You know, hey, Michael, I could see you, but he's not mobbed. Joe Willie Namath passes in the night. The cheering does stop. We don't face that. They do. So I have great respect for athletes. And they, all these guys in the National Football League and the NBA and the NHL and playing Major League Baseball, all of them, were stars earlier. All of them. You couldn't be in the National Football League and not have been an outstanding high school football player and a great or near great college football player. That's what gets me when I'm at the Rookie Symposium every year, Larry, is you look at the room of the 255 drafted players, and they're all big men on campus from wherever they just came. And the odds are that half of them by age 25 are going to have to look for another line of work. That's just the average. In the NFL. I remember, I'll give you a quick scene that points that out. Danny Ainge, 
plays his last basketball game for BYU. They get to the final four. Remember when he dribbles the whole length of the court? Sure. Scores a basket. They get to the final four. They lose. And he now reports to the Toronto Blue Jays, which had drafted him, as had the Celtics. He's in the Blue Jay dugout, and I'm, uh, I used to go over all the Oriole games because I lived in Washington. I'm sitting in the dugout next to him, and he's tapping his bat against the dugout stairs. And I said, how do you feel? And he says, damn, I hope I can hit the curveball, <laughs> <laughs> which he could not. Neither could Michael Jordan. That's right. Although Tommy DeSoto told me an interesting thing about Jordan. If Jordan had taken up baseball earlier, he'd have been a good ball player. You can't become a baseball player at 28. Uh, baseball is something you got to go Little League because that's the most learning process of all the games. Because I believe the hardest thing to do in sport is to hit a baseball well. Nobody's ever hit 500. Yeah, I know. Pete, 500 will be a bad average for a quarterback. That's right. It'll be an impossible average for a baseball player. Pete Rose once told me uh, that uh, every time he hears how people complain or talk about how difficult it is to be a golfer, he goes, that ball isn't moving. The ball I hit <laughs> yeah. was moving, always. So right. The thing that confounds me about baseball is one of why I like it so much. I have great affinity for all sports, and the reason I love baseball is uh, it's the only sport in the world where the defense has the ball. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy behind you, one guy throwing 90 miles an hour at you, and seven other guys wearing gloves. <laughs> and no one can help you. So it's an individual sport played as a team. Mm-hmm. It's athletic chess. Yeah, you sound like De Niro in The Untouchables right there. You should be wielding a bat. <laughs> That's that speech from The Untouchables about oh. the individual achievement. So uh, speaking of individual achievement, your your career at CNN, just obviously a, a large part of, of your, your Hall of Fame broadcasting career, Larry. My life. What, yeah. what are your thoughts as uh, your final show is uh, on the horizon? Well, it's, they're mixed, Rich. I mean, I know as, as uh, in fact, he was making fun of me, uh, when John Stewart said you jumped off a sinking ship, <laughs> uh, I, I I I have mixed emotions. I loved doing it. I I I've been in the business. I'm 77. I've been in the business 54 years. So I've been in the business way over half of my life, and a third of my life spent of it at, at CNN in a very successful enterprise, and scored a lot of firsts, and uh, still still. Still hitting it pretty good, and we've had some great shows, including the richest man in the world, Carlos Slim, and we've had the President Putin, and I mean, it's just been unbelievable to me. Who's been the most fascinating uh, uh, political figure you've ever interviewed? Uh, if I got right down to be Clinton, uh, because he was so damn smart and so engaging, and so on top of it that you know, I think he'd win today. <laughs> if he came back, he'd win. Right, I think he wants to come back deep down. Did he get a third <laughs> term? He's a, he's a classic, magical politician. So he was he was he was one of my favorites. But I've had when you do you know fifty thousand interviews, Rich. Man, it's hard to pick one out because there's people I forgot that I interviewed. <laughs> but I, I still love. So when I say the feelings are mixed, I, I was speaking uh, recently in Montreal, and someone asked, "Well, how can you describe what this is like?" And I said, well, it's, it's mixed emotions. It's like, you, it's like your mother-in-law going over the cliff in your new Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> you hope she's okay, but it's still your Cadillac. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
What about head of state? What's the most fascinating head of state? Who's the most fascinating head of state you've interviewed? Head of state. Uh, a, few, a few of those. Um, uh, Tony Blair was fascinating. Uh, Gorbachev? Gorbachev. Putin. Heads of state are fascinating. You know who's, you know who's fascinating? No. Uh, dictators. Uh, Chavez was fascinating from Venezuela. One, because he's a crazy baseball fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we're talking before, he's like a nut baseball fan. And you would think, of all the teams, who would he root for? Right? The Cincinnati Reds. The Reds. Reds. <laughs> <laughs> he loves the Cincinnati Reds. But how the knowledgeable Reds. is he? The last time I saw him, what do you think of Dusty Baker? Did I tell you? <laughs> no kidding. Oh, yeah. These guys who know, you know, if you know a sport, yeah. you get captivated by the sport. Castro knows baseball. I never interviewed Castro. But he really knows. But he used to play baseball. What about entertainment figures? Can you can you can oh, you not do it jumping me first because he was so hard to get and how'd you he get was him? Such a great Gleason got him for me. Gleason set him up. He owed him a favor, and um, Sinatra had sat. Uh, Gleason sat in for Sinatra one night at a nightclub when Sinatra had laryngitis, and they ended the evening with uh, Sinatra telling Gleason he owed him one. And Gleason was a good friend of mine, kind of like a mentor. So when Sinatra came into town, Gleason said, this is the one. And he did my radio show, which was at that time Sinatra was larger than life. Then I got to interview him a few times. <clears throat> I did the last interview with him, and I found him fascinating because he did all the things. What, what you want in an interview, this don't matter whether you're a, a seamstress or a bowler or you're Sinatra. He had the four things you want in an interview, which are passion for what you do, an ability to explain what you do very well, a sense of humor, hopefully self-aggrandizing, you can kid yourself, and a little bit of a chip on the shoulder. You got those four <laughs> things Sinatra had all four. In, in spades, yeah, Adam. In spades. My goodness gracious. Who's on your last show? Uh, they're surprising me. Uh, you don't a, know? No, well, I know Bill Maher is sort of like going to host it, I think. But uh, we, the shows we got upcoming, we got... Uh, Tonight we got uh, Wesley Snipes before he goes to jail, which is exclusive. And then we have uh, Condole we have not Condole we have uh, Angelina Jolie and Celine Dion, John Bon Jovi. Uh, That's fantastic. Uh, Conan O'Brien. Jeez, uh, they're they're really stacking them up. And then they're, the last three nights they're not letting me know yet. So they don't you don't know you have no idea. No, I don't mind that. Okay. Well, that's I like fun. That. I, I mean, like that. Fun. Well, it's fun, yeah. too. Because I, when I interviewed people, when I started, Bobby Darren walked in one day. I was doing it at a restaurant. Jimmy Hoffa. And I couldn't prepare because I didn't know who was coming. I got to like that. So I, I love immediacy. And I love transparency, of course. But I love the fact that it, it can happen right in front of you. That's what I love about our profession. I love broadcasting. Man, it beats work. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's the toy department. It is. We're the toy department. Sports is the toy department. Yes, that's. I, we're, I'm, we're, a, I'm the we're part of the store. I hear you. <laughs> no question about it. And 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 did I read correctly that you're gonna you you, you want to try stand up comedy? Well, I do a lot of that because I don't. It's not really trying it. I've been speaking at conventions sure. for years. I did Vegas. I did Niagara Falls. So I'm used to it. And now I can do more of it because I got time. So I'm gonna do four specials a year for CNN. The first one will be in March. 
I'm going to do some stand-up comedy and a production, maybe a little theater tour like O'Brien did. Go around, because I, I have three, four hours of stories, and I can tell a story well, and I can be funny. I know that. I've always had that. I'd have been a stand-up comic if I didn't do this. And, um, Is that right? I'm going to do other things. Yeah, but I, there's nothing like making people laugh. That's the biggest kick. Stand up, go out on stage alone. And you, they may like you the first two minutes because you're Larry King, but then you got to be funny. Yes, and, you do. Uh, I, I love that challenge. I did know. it for three years in college, Larry, and it's made everything I've ever done a snap. There's nothing yeah, oh, there's tougher no, a, than getting up there and having people look at you and having to make them laugh. But And also, though, the reaction you get when you make them laugh, it's a natural high to the point where when I'm, I make a joke on my show and I don't get the immediate feedback of laughter, I think it's fallen flat, even though it's not the crew's job to, to be right. my laugh track. You it's know? the biggest thrill I have of all the things I do is making people laugh. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's orgasmic. It's, the height the can't be explained when you hear that roar come up and you know, when you know you got them and you know it's going to be funny and energy goes through your body. It's unexplainable. It keeps you young. It's why comedians live a long time. Because they're constantly replenished. replenished. Their energy is replenished. They get to do something. Any comic working tonight who's good at what he does, mm -hmm. if you're uh, going on stage, and if you're Chris Rock, and you're going on stage tonight in Chicago, and there's 4,000 people, and you know you got them, you're young. It's fantastic. I couldn't let you go without getting a Super Bowl prediction from you, Larry. Can you have, can you give me one? It's all said and done. I, I well, my heart naturally the Dolphins are out of it, so I'm, I can't. My heart is always with the Dolphins. I uh, the Raiders aren't Super Bowl, but they're much better. They confuse me, the Raiders. Damn, someone like last week in San Diego, they looked unbeatable. They did. Um, and he's a good quarterback, Campbell. Uh, but they're not Super Bowl yet. I, the the easy one to pick would be the obviously to say the Patriots. The AFC is probably stronger uh, than the NFC. I like the Packers. Uh, they play great defense, and they're awfully tough. The Bears are a big surprise to me. Let's go out on a limb. Let's give Chicago a shot. All right. The Chicago Bears. The Bears against the Patriots. the Super Bowl by defeating the Patriots in a tough, hard-fought, well-battled 28-24. There you go. And if that happens, they'll have to bring the the refrigerator Perry back to <laughs> the score. Back in the day. That's I was the, there. The, you were there? I was. I was working for NBC that day. No kidding. Did pre and post game. Yeah, the Turner let me. Ted Turner was the best guy I've worked for. He let me. I'd started CNN that year, and I said NBC had made me this offer to go on the pregame show, and then they want me to do the Super Bowl. And he said, sure. So I was there. You were there. And then Rose, we, when we got out of that Superdome, it was in New Orleans, and we didn't know it was 30 degrees outside. <laughs> I caught an pneumonia. Well, it would be somewhat fitting, Larry, that uh, if that was the Super Bowl before Larry King Live, and this would be the Super Bowl as Larry King Live uh, uh, has its last show. Uh, yeah. and, and listen, man, this has been an honor to chat with you, Rich. Larry. This great, great talking with you. Same here. Same My here. pleasure, man. You bet. And, I, and uh, let me know when you're in the area doing stand-up. I definitely I want to come see that. Sure will. I definitely Thanks, do. Rich. Larry, have a great Bye. last couple of weeks. Bye, babe. You bet. That's Larry King joining us here on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's, the legend himself. Joining me today also, Clay Matthews. I want to thank him for calling in. I'm sorry if I pissed him off. 
Also on this program today, Mike Florio of ProFootballTalk.com. You can follow him at ProFootballTalk on Twitter, as I do. And I also want to thank Antonio Stefan and also Jake Robinson, two of the smartest NFL nine-year-olds you can ever find. Uh, they might, they might, uh, they might have made uh, Worm like Wally Pip. I don't know. Worm takes a day off. These two kids come in and crush it. I don't know, but still follow him at Worm underscore sixty-six. Follow me at Rich Eisen. You can also check me out on Facebook.com slash Rich Eisen. And always, always order up some Papa John's when you're getting ready for a National Football League weekend. And also Thursday night football. You got the Titans and the Colts this week. Thanks for joining me on this edition of Rich Eisen, uh, the latest edition of the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. Peace out. Booyah. Stay listening, dear friends. <laughs>